the HVAC field is starving for young, eager techs. This is the most exciting and challenging field to be in. Come on a journey to find out what you really need to get started from a veteran and company owner who has trained many successful techs. Welcome to Ability Man's HVAC Tool Belt. Good morning, and I am your host and creator of Ability Man's HVAC Tool Belt, John Dungan. This is our 11th episode. It is all about how to make money in the field. Before I get into it this morning, I'd like to remind everyone that I post regularly on Facebook and Instagram at Ability Air. And I have a bunch of videos on YouTube at John Ability Man Dungan. That's D-U-N-G-A-N. This podcast is specifically about getting into and being successful in the HVAC field. This is from my perspective as a tech, installer, and contractor slash employer. I have been an HVAC contractor for the past 13 years and have been in the industry for 20 years. So if you know someone who may be interested in this field, please pass this podcast along. I think that I can help them. Okay, so let's get into it. I have a lot to say about the subject, and so do a lot of other professionals. I know what works for me and what I've seen work. So this is, again, solely from my perspective. I'm just going to hit on a few different points. I'm going to kind of riff a little bit. I don't have a whole lot absolutely written down, just some bullet points. Um, so the first point that I would like to get to is something that guys hesitate on all the time. Uh, an employer will give them an opportunity to go get, you know, go take a class or a certification. And there's always the question like, well, who's going to pay for it? And are you going to pay for my time when I go there? And, and I've seen all kinds of resistance on that. And the point is to make yourself valuable. Okay. Companies are in business to make money. Okay. They are not in business to pay your paycheck. They deliver a product and they want to see money come back. Otherwise, what's the point of being in business if you're not going to make some money? We live in a capitalist society. It's rewards and penalties. It reward it penalizes you for bad products or no products and rewards you for good products. So one of the products that you deliver is your value to the company, not just the repairs you do because somebody exchanges with you to do the repair that pays the company the company pays for the vehicles insurance licensing dispatchers admin accounting all this stuff but it has to make sense at the end of the day otherwise what is the point of being in business well you are basically your own business in this society okay so if you make yourself more valuable then you can demand more money. So take the class, you know, go ahead and better yourself. Don't even wait for your company to ask you to take a class. Have your ears open. And whenever you see something at a supply house, take the opportunity, do it on your, you know, after hours, or if they have it on a lunch hour, call ahead to the dispatchers and say, hey, could you block me off for this time period? I'd like to go to this class. I mean, clear it with your 
your boss, obviously your manager, whatever it is, but you're going to find very little resistance uh, from people who actually care about the company, like your managers. If they don't really care about delivering a better product, they're going to give you some resistance. Maybe sh maybe you should be questioning whether you want to work for that company or not, because ultimately you all should be growing together and delivering better products together. So this is your part of it. Make yourself more valuable. Also, if you leave that job, you go someplace else, you keep that certification. The company does not keep that certification. That is yours to keep and take with you forever for the rest of your career. So make yourself valuable. One thing that I found when I first got into the field, I had only been working into it for two years. That is not very long in this field. Two years, you are still basically a newbie at that point. And, but I knew I had very good communication skills. I knew I had great problem-solving skills. I had the confidence that I could fix you know, communication issues with the company to the customer. I felt confident that if I didn't know what the problem was, that I could figure out the problem, or at least I could call people who could help me through it. So I went to my boss and asked him for the problem calls. I said, hey, if you have any problems with customers, I want to go out to them. I'm really good at handling stuff like that. If you have any jobs that other guys can't figure out, please send me. I want to figure it out. And I literally did this, and it paid off dividends for sure. I mean, I ended up getting awards from the company based on this. Um, I was highly valuable. I was their problem-solving tech. And I enjoyed it, and it made me better. And when I left that company... I started my own company, so that, there you go. I've seen a lot of guys who, you know, at the end of the day, they just want to go home, sign off. They don't want to have to worry about it. They don't progress very quickly in this field. I mean, it's pretty stagnant. They'll get, like, the regular raises, um, you know, and they're, they're okay techs, but nobody really relies on them for stuff. Therefore, they don't really make a lot of money at this either. I mean, it's just, they're satisfied with the status quo. Just satisfied to go home and do whatever they're doing at home and not really concentrate on their value to the company or in this field. And they really kind of just hamstring themselves by doing that. Point number two is to work on your communication skills. There are all kinds of ways to really do this. I I just like talking with people, and I'm really good at reading people. So I practice talking with people. Sometimes I'll drill things like uh, on a particular close. I'll use my wife or my daughters or a friend or another tech, and we'll just go through closes and kind of drill it. And it helps with the communication cycle. I like to go in and actually play with it a little bit, talk with people, and maybe not... Uh, you know, it's it's more like an, as an experiment almost. You know, when I'm talking to them, it's not just, oh, I have this job and this sale. I start really playing with the communication and start talking to them about like their things, their interests, and other things too. Maybe I'll even try to sell them something I wasn't even interested in selling them, but, you know, it would benefit them, but that wasn't like my primary goal. And just to see if I can do it. Like, hey, you know, we have these UV lights and, you know, some people need them, some people don't, but 
I'll just kind of spark the interest and go through a few little closes or whatever and end up with a sale. But I'm always working on my communication. And at the end of the day, it's very satisfying to get in commu- good communication with people anyway. So it has many uses. You should just be a good communicator in life anyway. So if you can communicate well with customers, you will make a lot of money in this field. Number three, being able to diagnose problems quickly and thoroughly. This is a very common theme. It is something that people spend their entire careers trying to hone. So it's not like, hey, you got to be quick, figure it out. This is just a point that you should always be working on. How can you diagnose a problem quickly and be very thorough about it? There's nothing like going to the parts house to get a part and put it in just to find out it either wasn't the part that was the problem or there is some other part causing that part to break. So there's actually the real problem and then it causes this other one to break. So it's very important to be thorough. You can very easily get into this groove where you go out, you figure out the problem, you're like, okay, and you're running through your calls for the day. So you know you have like a whole lot of calls and this one's got to be fast, but you're going to spend a lot of extra time if you don't just take the few minutes or seconds to do that one last test to make sure that you got the right problem. So that's a very important one. (laughs) Time management. I touched on this a little bit on another podcast, so I'm not going to go too crazy into it. But time management is probably one of the most important things in this field. If you have poor time management, you're not going to be able to accomplish the quantity of service calls necessary. Um, You will end up wasting time. It can be very frustrating as well. So think about your whole schedule and not just the immediate job you're going to. If you just looked at all the calls you have for the day, if you have that ability, uh, you can go through and kind of, okay, we'll have this job in this side of town and this one on this side of town, and then I'm going back to this other side of town. So you might be able to spot that and see if you could uh, work around that, go to two calls in one area instead of you know leaving that area and coming back. Or maybe you know, hey, I need to get this part for this job. I'm going to go get it right now. But then you say, oh, but I don't know what's wrong with this other job, so I should go check that one out first. That way I'm going to the parts house for two parts instead of just one. So really strategically thinking about it ahead of time. Also, what tools should you bring to do a repair? I mean, just as simple as that. If you're back and forth to your truck three times instead of one time, that can tag on a lot of time real quick. Plus, it can be tiring. And not like our job is super physical, but when you start wasting time with added steps, you'll start to see that you start walking a little bit slower. Maybe it doesn't hurt, but it's just like, ugh, really? have to go back there again? So just really strategizing, like basically your entire day. 
Like, oh, I'm going to this call. Oh, this is where I'm going to go to lunch. And then I can call ahead my order and I can grab it or whatever it is. I I do all kinds of things like that. I kind of strategically plan out my entire day based on, you know, where I'm going to go to the bathroom, (laughs) where I'm going to eat. If I have to sit down and make some calls on some follow-up, okay, I'll do that in between these two calls. Just things like that really help out. Point number five, you need to close jobs, okay? Before you have almost all of these, except for the communication, you need to be able to close a job. So obviously you need to be able to communicate well to do this, but you have to, first of all, have the confidence that you know you're suggesting the correct repair or replacement or whatever it is. So you have the confidence. You have to sell yourself. Okay, like, hey, this guy could go this way or this way. Which one do I think is the best option? Which one is the one that I would do if I was in this person's situation? Not not everybody has the same situation. If they have money and they're able to spend the money to do it right, they're going to probably want to do it that way. If they don't have a lot of money and you know you could buy them a little bit of time, then make that suggestion. Give them all the options so that they can really make an an informed decision. But definitely have the courage to suggest what you think is best for them in that situation. It will go a long way. You will close a lot more deals if you do that. The second thing that you have to know about closing is you have to be willing to do the work. If, you, if you're not really sold on doing the work or don't have like a clear idea on how you can get it done, like if you have installers and you're just selling it for the installers to do, or if it's a repair and you're not selling it because you know you have your next week completely booked out and there's no way you can fit this into the schedule, How are you going to close that job if you have already basically talked yourself out of your, number one, your ability to do it, or number two, your willingness to do it? Like, well, this coil cleaning really needs to be done, but man, this job is filthy. It's hard to get to that unit. I don't really want to do it. I mean, are you going to close that work? And is that the best thing for your customer? I mean... Maybe you should just tell them, hey, I know what needs to be done. I'm not really willing to do it. Maybe you should call another company. That is a really bad strategy. You're not going to make any money, obviously. But in this day and age, that can have a whole other ramification. If you say the wrong thing to the customer, okay, fine, you don't get that work. Okay, fine. But what if they go on, uh, you know, like Google reviews or Yelp? They can leave you a very bad review, and that'll just hang around for a really long time. So it pays to, number one, be confident it's the right thing. And number two, be confident or willing to do the job, right? So... If you're not, really strategically work around that. You know, you don't want to like 
overbid it to the point where they're giving you bad reviews or whatever. So this is, this is a tap dance, but you need to be closing the work. Okay. Ultimately, if you're good at what you do, you should be closing the job because you know you're the best person to accomplish that job for them because you've sold yourself and you care about this person you want the best for this person and you know what's going on. So just go ahead and close the job. Finish the job, do it to the best of your ability and then collect the money at the end. And that's what's really required in order to make money in this field. But you have to be willing to give the good product and collect the money at the end of the day. If you're not willing to do those two things, you will not make it in this field. When I first got into this field, I spent a lot of time and energy on closing sales. I bought books on closing. I bought sales tapes and would go through those. I would drill the closings and the, you know, I'd come up with different uh, sales things that I would say in order to make the sale. And I'm not going to say that this stuff doesn't work. It definitely increased my courage. It increased my ability to talk to people about these things. But there really is no substitute from just having a, a caring for the individual that's in front of you. You're at their house. You see them. You see their situation, good or bad. But you find something that you like about the person. And that makes it very easy to just say, hey, this is the problem. I really like you, you know, in your head. I really like you. I want to make sure that you're taken good care of. This is what I'm recommending. And then you are the best person for that. So there's really no substitute for that. However, if you'd like, I do advocate going out and getting different sales materials. Um, I don't have any off the top of my head that um, were particularly good. Um, but you can go around and just, you know, look at the reviews on different kind of sales books. And I read a lot of books, so <laughs> I couldn't really, that was so many years ago, maybe 10, 15 years ago, but there's some good closing books. There's also, um, Seller Be Sold. That's a really good book by Grant Cardone. I really like Grant Cardone. He is fantastic. He has, or he had an app that was just closings. And you could just go through and say, this is my situation, and then find the different ways he solves how to close that deal. And then you can just drill that with somebody else, which that can be very awkward and kind of a barrier for people that they don't really want to drill things with somebody else. Well, actors do it all the time. It's not really a big deal, although it can be a little embarrassing at first. You really start to get into it. So twin up or find a wife or a husband or a friend, a coworker, your boss. Sometimes your boss will do it with you, but it, it can really uh, kind of alleviate some of the stress or anxiety that can come with, uh, you know, I really don't want to talk to this customer about this or whatever. After you drill it with somebody else, then it becomes very easy. 
sometimes I'll just drill it in my head and say, oh, this is what I'm going to say, and I'll just kind of banter with myself. Even, even I've been working in this for a very long time, and sometimes I have to do that for myself, pep talk myself, drill it a few times before I make the call to do whatever, and it really helps. It really helps. So closing is a big one. It's uh, almost more important than actually doing the work, although doing the work is obviously the most important thing how can you perform the work if you're not selling it to begin with? So which came first? I mean, kind of the cart before the horse. I don't know which, but you really need to be able to close the jobs. So focus on that a little bit. Um, getting the correct diagnosis. Working out your strategy on how to get through the day. Talk with the customer. Don't be, you know, like, yes, sir, no, sir. This is the problem. Like, really talk with them about them and what they have going on. Um, and be valuable to your company. Be valuable to yourself. Take that along with you because that's like your little piggy bank is your knowledge. There's a really great saying. The guy says, whoa. I just paid like $500 to have that done and it only took you like 20 minutes. And the guy says, you're not paying for my 20 minutes that I spent here. You're paying for my 20 years of experience it took me to do that so efficiently. So that's a good one. You can go ahead and use that. I stole it from somebody else. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is it for this week. Please remember, you can DM me with any questions, suggestions, or whatever on Facebook and Instagram. I do engage as much as I can, so please reach out. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.